Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to another episode of the Round Trippers podcast, episode 18 of the Round Trippers podcast. We're getting up there in numbers. Uh, I am your host, Austin Spiro. Thank you so much for joining me on yet another episode. And uh, I have a guest today, and we are going to be talking about um, we're going to be talking about the upcoming playoffs after a wild day of game 162s. We're going to be talking about more playoffs. Felipe Melicio from the Total Bases Podcast has joined me once again. Felipe, thank you for joining me again. Thanks for having me, bro. Anytime. I love being on this show. It is a whole lot of fun having a discussion with you. So how you been, man? Tired, exhausted, uh, but I'm excited. I've been looking forward to today. Uh, to talk some baseball, some playoff baseball. It's finally here. It feels like uh, we've been waiting, well, literally all season long, right? <laughs> yeah, right. But, but after the debacle that was last year with the 60-game season, and now we finally got a full 162 games, uh, I'm finally looking forward to seeing the best teams in all of Major League Baseball go for that World Series championship this year. I really am looking forward to it, too. And I think yesterday really did um, – set a precedent for how this is going to go. There were some wild games yesterday, um, and they were really intense. We didn't get our four, four-way tie, I think, the chaos that everybody wanted, but yeah. it, they were good games. Most of them, anyway, were good games nonetheless. Yeah, I mean, I know – I mean, not the Yankee fans weren't looking forward to the, uh, <laughs> to the, to the four-way four tie or whatever, but yeah, uh, that would have been awesome to see. Uh, and we would, and you know, who knows if we if we actually do a podcast tonight? Uh, we are recording on a Monday night, Monday evening, yeah. so we could be. It would have been a disaster for Major League Baseball number one because of a Monday night. Monday night football is on. If you're a wrestling, if you're a wrestling fan, Monday night Raw is on. So you have uh, what? What would it have been? Would it have been two games uh, going at once? How would that have worked there, Austin? Uh, I'm not sure. I think it would have been two games at once. I think um, I read somewhere that the Yankees would have chosen to play the Red Sox um, in Fenway, and that would have happened today. But I don't know that, and that would have left the Mariners playing the Jays. But I don't know if they would have played today or if they would have played tomorrow. I don't know how that would have went. Yeah, well, uh, they Major League Baseball dodged a major bullet there. There has to be a better way to. I know that there's a romanticism to that one game playoff to get into the playoff to yeah. get into the playoff because that's basically what the wild card was, right? But um, yeah, there has to be a better way to do. I mean, you play 162 games and you don't have a tie-breaking system in place for events like this after all these years. I don't know. I, I feel for I feel for the I feel bad for the team, the players, the fans. Um, I was listening, I was listening to another podcast and they actually do have tiebreakers in place, but it doesn't make sense. And it involves a lot of people playing games and choosing where they play and things like that. And I don't particularly care for that. I'm like, you're right. You have a large enough sample size of 162 games where you can go season series. You can go, you know, things like that. You can go down to run differential. You can go to a whole lot of things. This one game play in thing doesn't make any sense. Like I said, it's just it's just baseball history. It's a romanticism to the uh, previous, uh, what do you call it, um, to previous generations where they used to. Uh, well, the pennant was the regular season, right? There were no playoffs. 
So that's, I think that's where it stems from. And they just kept it as they kept expanding and creating more divisions. But anyway, we're getting, <laughs> I could talk baseball history with you uh, all night long, but uh, no, we're here to talk about the present, aren't we? We are here to talk about the present. So uh, what we're going to do on this show is we're going to talk a little <laughs> bit about um, whether we were right on our predictions or not, while we're talking about where we think these players are, go- or where these teams are going to go um, and how far we think all these teams are going to get. Um, so there is a group of us from the baseball life group that have made predictions. It's all on a spreadsheet. Um, you will probably listen to Vince's Vince's and Henry's and all of their predictions on Dong city, um, on Wednesday. But right now I think Felipe and I are just going to talk about our predictions and how we think the playoffs are going to go. So for those of you that don't know, um, what the field is or how the field is set right now the field is set is the Yankees and the Red Sox are going to play we're recording this on Monday so they're doing it tomorrow um, it for the wild card game and the winner of that is going to play the Rays and then um, the other two AL wild cards are the White Sox and the Astros um, and on the NL side the wild card is the uh, Dodgers and Giants and the winner of that game is going to play the uh, – who are they playing? They're playing the number one seed. Uh, you said Dodgers and Giants. I think you meant Dodgers and Cardinals. Dodgers and Cardinals. That's why I messed myself up because the winner of that game is going to play the, the Giants, and then the Brewers and Braves are playing each other. Uh, so those are the teams in the postseason. So uh, we are going – we went ahead and filled our own brackets. So, Felipe, do you want to start with the AL wild card? Sure. Uh, so there's one, two, three, four, five, six. There's six of us, right? We've all been uh, a part of each other's shows or we all have our own podcasts or we've been, you know, like I said, we've all been guests as, you know, present company included yours truly here. And uh, there's a, a, I like the variety of answers. There's two uh, people that picked the uh, Tampa Bay race to win the world series, but everybody else has a different champion. Um, at, for for this uh, 2021 season. Everybody does have yeah. a different chance. Except for the race. Yeah. Yeah. Vince and uh, Austin are the only ones who picked the race. Everybody else picked a different uh, team. Yeah. But for the wild card, uh, you know, I, I picked Yankees and Dodgers at the very beginning of the season back in March. And I'm going to pick – I'm going to stick with that. The Yankees and Dodgers advancing to the divisional round. Uh, making, out of, making it out of the wild card, although it might be a little bit tougher for the Yankees, but I just can't bet against Garrett Cole, um, even in Boston. So that's why, that's why I'm picking the Yankees. And the Dodgers, um, I, I, just, I just think the Cardinals are, are going to be overmatched. I know that the Dodgers are kind of limping into the playoffs, but the Dodgers have so much depth. Um, I, I, just, I just don't, I don't see how they can lose against the Cardinals, but that means – so I guess that means that the Cardinals are going to win anyway, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> Right? They always seem to find a way to be relevant in the playoffs, no matter how mediocre they were during the regular season. Yeah, well, <laughs> this year this year they were beyond mediocre. I think, uh, I think they showed what they're made out of. And it's, oh, it's, sure. a, it, it's a heck – you know, we celebrate the Rays and the Dodgers, but we always kind of, uh, you know – poo-poo the Cardinals. Oh, the Cardinals. They don't know what the hell they're doing. The, and that's what it looked like at the beginning of the year, Austin, was that's the reason I didn't pick them to make the playoffs is because I felt like their pitching staff was in shambles. There was no definitive closers. Uh, and besides a the closer, there was no um, 
there were no set roles for their bullpen. And even the guys on the bullpen, I, I don't I don't trust those guys. You know, yeah. Alex Reyes, we're gonna go through that again. Yeah, who's the other guy? Um Carlos Martinez. You yeah, wanna I was go through say, that? Carlos again? Martinez, like he's highly unreliable. Adam Wainwright's your de facto ace, which I mean it's good, but he's 40 years old nearly. He's almost 40 years old. So that's that's never a good sign. Um it but Wainwright is pitching lights out and he's pitching fantastic, but I don't. I don't know, Austin. If if Adam Wainwright's the ace of the your Los Angeles Angels, do you feel good back in March coming into the season with Wayno as your ace starting pitcher in in Anaheim? With the pitchings that we have now, yeah, I would have been a little more excited. But overall, no, I no, <laughs> I would have not have. You know, it would have been better than what we had this year, minus Otani. But you know, if if my de facto ace is a forty year old who we're hoping has some sort of, you know, some sort of coming to light season in the twilight of his career, you're desperate. You know, usually the 40-year-old starters, the John Lester's and the Adam Wainwrights and all those guys are, they're four or five starters just yeah. holding on to that last bit of year, that last year of their contract. So I w- if, if you asked me, at the beginning of the season, and you t- and you told me the Cardinals were going to go on a 19-game winning streak or whatever and make it to the playoffs amidst, you know, the Padres and the Dodgers and the Brewers and the Braves and all the – I called you nuts. Like, no, yeah. there's no way. They're going to be mediocre, and Wainwright's going to have a mediocre season. And, yeah, that bullpen's highly unreliable, and they're not going to do it. So – Kudos to them for really turning it on and really showing what they were made of and those young guys stepped up. But, yeah, I don't particularly see them going very far in this playoff. I think their course has been run out. Yeah, and they're also – I didn't realize that they were going with a six-man rotation um, for a good chunk of the season, it looks like. So that that helped all those guys stay fresh. I know Miles Mikolas uh, kind of came on uh, – he finally got healthy near the end of the season. Dakota Hudson, who I haven't – I've not heard of uh, of him all year long. I, I think he finally showed up at the end. So a lot of those guys that Cardinals fans uh, are used to hearing all the time, uh, they're making uh, freaking Cardinals, man. They're they're yeah. making the late season run like always. I mean, again, like again, I had Dylan Carlson in my fantasy lineup, and he kept mm-hmm. irritating me because he would never get on base. He never got on <laughs> base. I used him as my stolen base guy because. You know, he looked like he was getting ready to do to to come out with stolen bases, and he would never get on base. So I finally dropped him, and then he's another one that came on at the end. You know, Dylan yeah. Carlson, Harrison Bader, all of those guys, they came on at the end to come together for a improbable 19-game winning streak. So Tyler O'Neill, Yeah. That's, that's another one. Man. He swings really hard, hits the ball really hard, but he strikes out most of the time. So... <laughs> Uh, and then if you look at the rotation, that that is a, a makeshift, all hands on deck, put a Band-Aid, put, put, a, put some duct tape on it, rotation if I've ever seen one. Yeah. And then you look at the Dodgers. I mean, what, they're going to counter with Max Scherzer? Yeah. I don't know, man. Yeah. You had a great 19-game winning streak. Congratulations on having a great end of the season. And for your prize, you get to face Max Scherzer. So, I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, I'm not betting against the Dodgers, even though they're probably without Max Muncy, 
when you have yeah. Max Scherzer on the mound, I, I mean, it's guaranteed you're only getting maybe one run out of Max Scherzer, especially with the way he's pitched down the stretch coming into the postseason. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of ways that the Dodgers can uh, circumvent Max Muncy not being there. They still got Chris Taylor. They still got Gavin Lux. Uh, I know Lux has not uh, lived up to his potential, his massive potential that everybody um, was excited for when he was just a, a hot shot prospect. But I think Lux is kinda... listed as date today right now. Oh, okay. I don't see it there on my uh, on my. I just, uh, I, just read it some, I just read it somewhere. He's listed as date today right now. Okay. Well, you still got Albert Pujols who can give you some major league at bats, like yeah. good professional wear out your opposing pitcher and it's his former team yeah he, he knows some of those guys well at least adam wainwright he knows who he is so yeah adam wainwright yadier molina exactly so uh, yeah uh the, uh the big key is chris taylor unless you're going to tell me that he's a day-to-day as well but <laughs> but uh, chris taylor can can he's like the wild card piece of, of that team he can go anywhere uh, and uh, play for anybody who's injured. I mean, they still got Trey Turner. They still got Will Smith, the catcher. Justin Turner, uh, who is another guy. I mean, if we're, the Cardinals have Adam Wainwright, the Dodgers have Justin Turner, who's 36 years old and almost 37, and he's still uh, producing for that team. Right. Uh, so, yeah, it's a fun team. And their four-man rotation, you got Scherzer, Gonsolin, Riaz, Bueller. What's not to like? Yeah, exactly. So I really do think the Dodgers – pretty much have that in line even though the cardinals have come on strong at the end i think the dodgers have that um but you you, you like the red Sox though and the and the other wild card i do like the red Sox uh in the wild card and um there's a couple reasons why um you know because i watched both of those games yesterday i watched the yankee game and i watched the red Sox game yesterday and then you know, I kind of looked at the pitching matchup. So when you look at the pitching matchup and who they're probably going to throw out there for the wild card, my mm-hmm. guess is that the Red Sox is going to throw out Eovaldi and that the Yankees are going to counter with Garrett Cole. Now, Garrett yep. Cole has had a great season. You know, everybody thought, oh, well, no sticky stuff. Garrett Cole can't pitch now with no sticky stuff. And he went out there and just put up a big middle finger at everybody and said, screw you all, I can still pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then – but you also have Eovaldi, who had a pretty good season himself. Mm-hmm. So what I did was, I mean, this is a one-game playoff. So I'm looking at who did, who's done the best out of, you know, these, you know, who, who's pitched better against these teams. Mm-hmm. So obviously they play in the same division. So you're going to have a bigger sample size than normal. So you have Nathan Eovaldi, who's pitched uh, five games against the Yankees this season. He has a three, he has just a little over a three ERA with 30, 30 and some change strikeouts. He doesn't have very many walks. He's only given up four homers. Like he has done in 30 somewhat, I think it was like 38 innings. He has done really well. Now he had his last game that he pitched against the Yankees. He gave up seven runs. He gave up seven hits, seven runs in two and two and two thirds innings. If you take that start out, He's pitching at a 2.09 ERA against the Yankees this season. So, mm-hmm. you know, Betsar Eovaldi is going to do pretty well, and it's in Fenway. So, yep. I mean, it's at home. He's pitching at home. Now, Garrett Cole has done well this season, except when you look at his stats for just the Red Sox, he's pitching at about a 5 ERA against the Red Sox. So, 
you know, and uh, obviously he's Garrett Cole, so he's going to strike out just as much as Nathan Eovaldi. The problem is he's allowing more runs against the Red Sox. And especially if the Red Sox have J.D. Martinez going into that game and, you know, with Rafael Devers going in there and Xander Bogarts, and they really turned it on against uh, in that last game against the Nationals and really came together and did really well. Alex Verdugo came in the clutch and, you know, um, players like that. On top of the fact that Alex Cora, minus the cheating garbage, is a pretty decent manager. He's a pretty good manager. And Aaron Boone, you know, he's made a lot of – it's been very well documented that he's had a lot of managerial um, blunders this year <laughs> for, the, for the Yankees. And especially in that game 162, I really don't think he handled the pitching staff very well. He kept pulling pitchers out in the middle of the inning. He pulled out Clay Holmes, who was lights out and pretty much fooled Randy Arozarena and all the rest of those Rays lineups. And it just, it didn't look right. On yeah. top of that, you had the Yankees offense who's coming off an, a, who's coming off a performance where they made the crap storm of Michael Waka look like Tom Seaver out there and just mowing them down for, they only had one hit until the last inning. So I really think that the Red Sox with Eovaldi's success against the Yankees this year and the managerial blunders of Boone on top of the offensive inconsistencies of the Yankees, I think the Red Sox have this uh, wild card. Do I think they're going to go very far? No. In fact, I have them losing in the next round, but I think they're going to beat the Yankees. Ooh, boy. That's all right. That's very bold. But like I said, I think I mentioned this, but you're not the only one uh, who thinks that the Red Sox are going to win. My buddy, uh, my podcast partner, Sean also has the Red Sox and he also has the Dodgers. So you guys have identical picks there. Uh, but I don't know for me, I, Ovaldi has done a great job. He's pitched in big games before. I mean, he literally helped the Red Sox win a World Series championship over the Dodgers before. Right. Um, but I, but Gary Cole has also pitched in big games before. And um, I don't know. I just can't. I can't. That, that's going to be the difference maker. They're both good, very good hitting lineups. They both have uh, – I, I know that the uh, Yankees have a much better bullpen from what I remember uh, than the Red Sox. So it ultimately comes down to which pitcher do you like, which starting pitcher you, you like better. Uh, and for me, for my money, I can't bet against Garrett Cole. And it's that simple of a breakdown as far as I'm concerned. Um, looking at the rankings. Oh, wow. So the Red Sox are, have a pretty good uh, bullpen themselves. Fielding is going to be an issue for both teams um, as they both rank very low on my rankings which I promise I was not going to do this based off any statistics or rankings. I was just going to go straight from my gut. But, uh, no, I think uh, I'll give the edge to the Yankees. You're going to go with the Red Sox. We'll see. Yep. We move on to – can we move on to the division rounds then? Or are you, did you want to say something else? Well, the, the, the one thing I wanted to say was speaking of defense, how about that play from uh, Gio Urshela flying into, this, oh, flying into the dugout? Like, oh, yeah. that, I remember we were – I was watching that and <laughs> – you know, I'm not going to compare Gio Urshela to Derek Jeter, but it reminded me a lot of when Derek Jeter flew into the stands in the playoffs and he came up bleeding. Like, you want to talk about sacrificing your body to get into the playoffs? Who knows how that game would have played if how how that game would have played out if Gio Urshela didn't catch that and make that out? Um, that was a 
mad respect to Gio Urshela not to only just fly into the stands knowing that the Rays were not going to catch him going in there, but to keep a hold of the ball and then finish out the game. He hit that bench hard. So, you know, and he's listed as day-to-day right now, I think. So, you know, we'll see how that affects his playoff um, his playoff performance in the wild card game. Um, and then the, the only other comment I wanted to make was, what was Angel Hernandez doing jumping over the railing of the dugout? Did you see that? In that same Gio Urshela play? In that same Gio Urshela play, for whatever reason, Angel Hernandez, who was the home plate umpire, he is leaning over the Red Sox dugout to see if he makes the catch, and he just jumps over the railing and does like a front flip somersault, <laughs> lands on his butt, and calls the out. I'm like, what are you jumping for? Like, <laughs> you, can, you can make the call from there. Stop. stop. You're going to hurt yourself, Angel well, Hernandez. I, I saw that somebody asked for his autograph, so I, did I don't know. That. Maybe he knows where the cameras are. Maybe he knows that he's a very high-profile umpire, and maybe he wants to take advantage of that celebrity. I, I guess <laughs> get, get a hold of it while it lasts, because usually you have that fame because you suck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah, let's move to the divisional series. Uh, you want to move? Let's move to the uh, let's move to the AL part of the divisional series first. Sure. Uh, you want to, uh, so we're assuming, uh, let's just get this out of the way with the Rays. I think we both picked the Rays, right? Let me see here. I yeah. Did, sure. Yeah. Yeah. We picked the Rays. Yeah. Okay. Rays and Astros. Okay. So, uh, so it doesn't matter. Yankees, Red Sox are going to lose to the Rays. The Rays are too good. They're, they got too much depth. Um, I feel like the Yankees and Red Sox are kind of limping. I mean, anytime you, you got to play that extra wild card game. You're going to be limping into the uh, divisional rounds anyway. Right. And the Rays, the thing I don't like about the Rays is they're starting pitching. But it doesn't matter. Uh, probably not because the bullpen is so deep. And everybody throws in the high 90s. And everybody I, knows what their, their uh, role is. And What's that? I'm sorry. I feel like their pitching staff is one big bullpen at this point. It's, there is no starters. Yeah. Like there's a bunch of openers. Yeah. And then it's, it's just one big bullpen. Because you don't have very many people going into going into there looking at pitching five plus innings. They're all pitching three, four innings, and then they hand it off to the bullpen. Even Shane Baz, who's looked lights out since coming up, since being called up, he I think he averaged three, four innings to start. Oh, it, it is a wealth of riches that they got going yeah. um, in Tampa. Yeah, and you're right. I'm looking at their bullpen and the, and and. I mean, Uran Yarbrough was a was a bullpen guy himself. Shane McClenahan, also a bullpen guy. You mentioned Shane Baz already, highly touted prospect, but they they treat him with kids' glove. Michael Walker is probably the only established starting pitcher, and then Drew Rasmussen, who I really really love. I'm actually shocked that the Brewers went ahead and traded him to the Rays. Like, oh, I mean, they got a good short. Was that the Willie Adams trade? Yeah, I think I think he was traded in the Willie Adams trade. I mean, I, I mean, it's a good get by the Brewers, but man, I, I, I still couldn't believe it because I had high hopes for Drew Rasmussen coming into the season. And uh, it turns out that, yeah, he did live up to expectations, but on, a, on another team in a completely different role. I, I thought he would be a really good bullpen ace, and instead he's uh, in there as, in, as a starting, as a SP number five, currently according to roster resource for the Tampa Bay Rays. 
That uh, trade ended up being good yeah, for both. That trade ended up being good for both teams because Willie Adams had a pretty good season himself um, after getting out of the after getting out of Tampa. I think he went on record multiple times saying that he liked Milwaukee a whole lot better simply because he couldn't see the ball in Tampa. So as right, soon as he right. got out of Tampa and was in Milwaukee, he his offense skyrocketed because um, you know, and it he produced quite. Uh, pretty good because and I picked him up on one of my fantasy lineups as kind of like a backup sort of shortstop because he was doing really well there was a point I was starting him over some of my other shortstops so you know that trade ended up working out for both both teams but yeah I'm I'm, I'm I don't know if you can see my screen but I'm circling the bullpen and it's just a who's who of bullpen uh right it's, it's a it's a it, it's an it's just a, a wealth wealth of arms that this team has it's pretty amazing and then you look at the guys who are not probably not going to play oh yeah they're not playing you got chris archer yoni yoni chirinos and tyler glass now oh my god and then if you keep looking down let me see here if you keep looking down here of all the players that are injured there's a ton i mean there there's a ton of guys who would be um uh, they'd be what do you call it? I don't even know what to make of it uh, there, Austin. Because if they were on different teams, like Nick Anderson, Jalen, Jalen Beeks, Adam Conley, Oliver Drake, Tommy Hunter, Colin Poche, Chaz Rowe, Ryan Thompson. These are all really good relief pitchers. Yeah. And this team doesn't miss a beat. Oh, well, our, the guy who threw 99 miles an hour, he's down. We'll just replace him with another guy who could throw 99 miles an hour. It's ridiculous. Not only that, but they have multiple people who could throw 99 miles an hour at different arm angles. You have the yeah. over-the-top. You have the three-quarter arm slot. You have the sidearm arm slot. And, you know, um, Kevin Cash does really well at mixing those arm angles and changing the sight line of the hitters. So, you know, I think that bullpen is really, really going to be something that is to be reckoned with when it comes to the postseason, any team they face. So let alone with the Yankees and the Red Sox that are limping into this, you know, they're either injured or they're coming off some, you know, they're coming off a shaky run. You know, I don't, I really don't think either one of them stand a chance against the Rays. And then, uh, so I guess we both picked the uh, Tampa Bay Rays on this one. Yeah, we both picked the Rays. All right. So, we go on to the White Sox and Astros then. You know, as you know, I'm both a Cubs and a White Sox fan. Uh, the White Sox uh, had themselves a really good season. However, there's a lot to be desired. I'm, I'm usually – it's hard for people to tell that I'm a White Sox fan because I'm very critical of that team. But I feel like if they, if they would just do what some of these other really good teams are doing, if they would just do what these other teams are doing, they'd be in a lot better shape. Right, but instead, it seems it just seems like they're constantly and forever just playing down to their division, like they do enough just to win that division, when they should be like, with going in with the mentality that okay, we're not competing against the Clevelands and the Kansas Cities and and the Detroit's of the world. Nah, we're we're competing against the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Astros. That's what we need to get. Over. And I feel like Jerry Reinsdorf and uh, I almost call him Ryan Pace. Um. <laughs> oh my God! I forgot the White Sox GM, I, Rick Hahn. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, I feel like Rick Hahn. They're just content with just winning that division, and just using the excuse like, "Oh, well, you know, we're still a young team." Like, no, no. Last year you were a young team. 
this year, all those young players that you have there have a, a year under their belt. And they're, uh, they're coming in with the understanding that they're here to compete. They're not here to develop in major league level. They're here to compete on this team. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, po- I just uh, found a fun fact when it came to this White Sox team. They, it, they would have only won two divisions at the end of this season. They would have won the NL East, and they would have mm-hmm. won their division, the AL Central. If they're in any other division, they're, not, uh, they're a wild card team. They're not a, you know, they're not, uh, they're not a division winner. The only reason why they're a division winner is because second place was the Indians or the Guardians, right? Who right. are they had a losing record themselves and got no hit three times. So when your second place team in the division is getting no hit three times and has a losing record, of course you're going to win if you have a halfway decent team. Now they have a really good, they have a good starting pitching staff and their bullpen is pretty good. But after that, they, after their starting lineup, I've said this before, they don't have any depth. They have their starting lineup and then that's it. So if somebody gets banged up or somebody gets tired, they don't have anybody on the bench to do anything. So, you know, and you know, the Astros, they're not as deep as they used to be, but they still have some pretty good pieces there. And on top of that, I don't trust the White Sox to beat anybody with an over five that has a record over 500, which is every playoff team that are that is in this. Whether it's the Red Sox or the Rays or the Giants or anybody like that, they they can't win against anybody with a 500 record. It's been it's been talked about on many of our podcasts. They can't win against winning teams. So they're really inconsistent. So I don't trust them against somebody like the Astros who have been to the playoffs multiple years in a row and have made playoff runs and battled multiple years in a row. The White Sox don't know how to battle like the the Astros do. So I really think that the White Sox are just going to cave under the relentless, you know, the relentless playoff attitude of the Astros. And, and there's something to be said about having Tony, Tony La Russa. Uh, he basically survived this season without, without his big bats, just yeah. by plugging guys in like Lurie Garcia and uh, Adam Engel and Billy Hamilton, these scrappy, uh, high contact, no pop, no power uh, hitters. And who knows, maybe that, that plays very well into Tony La Russa's um, uh, managerial style which is ironic because this is the guy who survived on uh uh a heavy diet of hands no not just that but a heavy diet of mark mcguire and jose canseco three-run yeah. home runs uh back with oakland right and uh also when he got to the cardinals you know albert pujols and matt holiday i think it was matt holiday right he was on yeah. those teams jim yeah. edmonds larry walker all these big boppers and then it takes like, injuries to luis robert and uh, eloy jimenez for him to realize hey you know what I, I, I could play small ball too. So he did survive. So give him kudos for that. But like you mentioned, he survived against a really crappy division with a really mediocre cupcake schedule. So this is put up or shut up time, but there's a lot of holes. And I'm glad you mentioned the lack of depth. I've been screaming the lack of depth since January, February. And White Sox fans are telling me, oh, it'll be fine. They don't need, who, who do you want them to sign? Who do you, who else do you want them to get? I mean, Nick Magical is a second baseman. Like, bro, if you're if you're trusting Nick Magical to put you over the top, this team's in deep trouble. They got Cesar Hernandez, and he's not doing much of anything. But I would have preferred Cesar Hernandez over Nick Magical at the start of the season. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, look as, at their uh, bench right now. Their bench right now is they've got Zach Collins at backup catcher. They have Andrew Vaughn to play first and outfield. Then they have Adam Engel, and then they have Billy Hamilton. Like, they don't have anybody on the bench that can come off and be like a Marco Scudero type, a la those that Giants dynasty, you know, coming off the bench or, you know, that contact hitter that could come in the clutch. I'm not going to, I'm not going to expect the Zach Collins, the Andrew Vaughn's, the Billy Hamilton's to come up with any sort of clutch pinch hit, you know, when it matters. You know, and there's no, like you mentioned, there's no big bats. Like this looks like a national league team and they're playing the American and in, in an American league. That's, exactly. We're going to see the Astros and how loaded they are in just a bit, but uh, and when I say I would have preferred Cesar Hernandez over Nick Magical, not to say that Hernandez is better than Magical, because that, that's not the case. Magical, Magical's upside alone is worth the specul, uh, uh, the excitement for. Right. I just would have preferred a veteran second baseman while Magical tries to figure things out, which he eventually did, but once again he got hurt, and and now he he's became, not even on the team anymore. He's not even on the team anymore because he keeps getting hurt. If he were healthy. He probably still would have been on the team trying to figure out how to hit the ball with authority. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of pluses to Magical's game. But at the end of the day, you, you can't. that's two years in a row that he, you've uh, succumbed to a season-ending injury. Uh, you're brittle, man. You're brittle. You're, you're injury-prone. Yeah. But I digress. Um, but, yeah, I would have preferred the veteran second baseman and then having Magical – spot start him every once in a while kind of like a kind of like how the chicago bears you know they brought in andy dalton but with the with the idea that justin fields is going to be in the background kind of right. waiting for his spots i would have preferred that at the very least you got cesar hernandez coming off the bench yeah which it just it, it there's nothing wrong with adding depth i don't know why white Sox fans are scared to add any veteran assistance to a team that oh i don't know is looking for veteran leadership to get them over the top in these playoffs. So Exactly. I mean, right now their veteran leadership is Jose Abreu, who the, uh, I, he hasn't had very much playoff experience. I think the only playoff experience he had was last year. Probably, yeah. And I think that's it. And then you have Yasmani Grandal, who has some playoff experience. But there again, after that, you don't have anybody. And the other thing that I'm noticing right now while we're looking at Fangraph's uh, roster resource here, they're platooning right field and they're platooning their DH. So um, yep. Larry Garcia is uh, platooning with probably Adam Engel and Gavin Sheets is pl platooning at DH with probably Andrew Vaughn. So yep. – you know, and we've seen this with the Dodgers. They had a number of people that they platooned and it didn't work. You know, they made it to the playoffs, but then they had too many things and too many players to play and they're platooning their whole outfield and they, they didn't make it, you know, to the, the, when they started making the World Series and when they won the World Series is when they had that solid outfield of, you know, of, Cody Bellinger and Mookie Betts and you know they had a solid outfield and you know they had Chris Taylor you know playing the um what wild you, card role yeah he, super utility yeah that super utility player but you didn't that was the only one before you had three or four of them that went all over the place and that's not pro, that's not productive to a world series winning franchise the only people that have been able to do that at a high level are the Rays and nobody can figure out how they do that so oh, because, oh, oh, it's pretty easy how they do it. They just, well, we already talked about the race and I don't want to yeah. go back, but uh, to give the Dodgers some credit, every year they lead the league in lineup, uh, most lineups used, it seems like. 
So, right. and it, and it's, and they, and it's, they're successful with it. So. And I'm not saying they're not successful. What I'm saying is they were, they, they got to, they, they won the world series after they, after they quit having six outfielders mm. <laughs> and they had that, you know, they had Cody Bellinger and they had Mookie Betts and they had, you know, they had those guys playing every day instead of, well, you sit for the lefties and we'll put Jock Peterson in for the righties because he can't play. He can't hit the lefties. And yeah, you know, th- once you had that Mookie Betts piece and you had a solid outfield and you had a solid infield, it did much, it did much better for them. So, well, here's my concern with the white Sox. You mentioned the two platoon systems. My concern is that they don't have a lot of uh, uh, positional flexibility. Yeah. You know, the guys who play their positions, that's all they play. It's just their positions. Tim Anderson, you're the shortstop because you're the shortstop. Luis Robert, you're center field. And I know that people, old school people are going to say, oh, well, that's just a solid lineup. But in today's Major League Baseball, like you mentioned, the Tampa Bay Rays, they can move people around like it's a game. Exactly. Like, like nothing. It's the same thing with the Dodgers. Uh, now, they don't have to do it now. But we just talk about the Dodgers, how they're, they have so much depth and they can – probably plug in certain players for Max Muncy for the White Sox. You can't do that. What? And, and, and not listed here on roster resources. The fact that Yasmani Grandal is going to need some uh, uh, appearances at, at designated hitter as well. Right. So you're going to be having to sit Gavin Sheets or Andrew Vaughn or Zach Collins for whatever reason, or not Zach Collins because he's the backup catcher, but still, I mean, it's, it's just, a, it, I don't know. It, it, it's the complete opposite of the, all those other teams you mentioned. This is actually a saw, a solidly based lineup where people know the roles and people know where they're going to be in uh, uh, on a game to game basis, but that might be detrimental uh, against them, especially with La Russa trying to play a, a national league style um, with a national, sorry, I should play La Russa having a national league uh, style bench on, on his roster at the moment. And then if I quickly move into the pitchers, Lance Lynn should be your ace, but Carlos Rodon, can he stay healthy? Uh, what, what, or is he going to show wear and tear in these playoffs? Can Lucas Giolito pitch like the ace pitcher that he was last year? Can we trust Dylan season as uh, if he command can Dallas Keuchel uh, continue to be the uh, playoff uh, pitcher that he's shown in the past? Um, although off the top of my head, I'm not sure how he's performed in the playoffs, but I know that Keuchel um, has was brought in to be the number three pitcher at worst. And now he's listed as a number five pitcher and a guy that White Sox fans probably don't want to see um, out there. Yeah. I, I wouldn't want to see Dallas Keuchel out there with the game on a line either. So, you know, which is sad because he, he did very well with the Astros, but after that, you, and I'm, what I'm reading here two days ago, according to the Chicago Tribune that, uh, Dallas Keuchel is actually set up to have a bullpen role in the postseason. He's not even going to start. Sounds about right. Yeah, so, that sounds about right. Do you yeah. want him coming out of the bullpen in like in this fifth, sixth, or seventh inning in a, in a high level situation? You know, I, I, don't I know. wouldn't. I don't think I do. Not with the way bullpens are re- are constructed nowadays. He's a sinker ball, ground ball pitcher. You know, with the way that the bullpens are constructed, I'm looking for that late inning fire to blow him past you. I'm not looking for, you know, especially if you get to the extra innings with that stupid zombie runner. I don't want Dallas Keuchel out there because he's looking for contact. I don't want that. <laughs> so, you know. Uh, and and the White Sox do have a really good bullpen. I'll give them – we'll give them that much credit. Go yeah. ahead. 
Uh, I'm looking at, let's see, I'm looking at his postseason pitching right now. And his postseason pitching right now uh, in nine series, he's uh, got a four and three record with a 371 ERA in 13 games started, 63 innings pitched with 56 strikeouts, 1.23 whip. So, I mean, he's decent, not lights out, but it's pretty decent. solid. It's not yeah. the worst. So, yeah, that's Dallas Keiko for you. So, but either- I mean, like I said, the White Sox do have some bullpen arms. Yeah, they do have some bullpen oh, arms. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I thought you were. I... No, I, w- I was done. Go ahead. Oh, okay. I, we're, we, we, uh, we're doing tit for tat here, no. but that, that, I, that's a, I just wanted to mention that they do have some bullpen arms. They have some decent bullpen arms that you could trust. Uh, uh, Michael Kopech being the big middle uh, relief pitcher there, along with Liam Hendricks. Craig Kimbrell, though, uh, I think he has White Sox fans a little bit shaky right now. As uh, I don't know. Every time I see him, he's giving up a big lead or something. I don't know. Yeah. But it's still Craig Kimbrell. He still throws in the high 90s and has a wicked slider. So it, it's not a – so, I mean – it's not all is lost with the White Sox, but then you compare that to the Houston Astros. And, you know, just like the White Sox, they have some guys who are solidly in that lineup. You're not going to move them anywhere. Right. But the difference is that these guys are battle-tested. Jose Altuve, Michael Brantley, Alex Bregman, uh, all these guys. Jordan, Al- uh, Jordan Alvarez, who, you know, basically is the left-handed version of Eloy Jimenez, except that he doesn't have to play the outfield because right. – uh, you know, Michael Brantley plays left field, and they got uh, Kyle Tucker playing right field, who has who's supposed to be this uh, highly touted, uh, high pedigree player, who's only 24, going into 25 years old. Chas McCormick uh, uh, was able to go in uh, l- late in the season because of that trade with Miles Straw going to the Indians, uh, the Guardians. <laughs> we got it. We, we got to get used to that, uh, Austin. I know? know it's it's the end of the era now. It's no more Indians. It's got to go to the Guardians now. And uh, they have Aletmas Diaz, who's a pretty solid uh, infielder. Uh, Marwin Gonzalez, who could play anywhere. Uh, Jake Myers, who can uh, provide some pop. Um, and uh, Joe Siri, who can really provide that 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 whomp off that off the bench there. Yeah. So, uh, but it's the same cast of characters that we've all learned to love and hate, love to hate, I should say, in the in the lineup. Then you go to the pitching, and it's. There's no question. Lance McCullers, he's going to be Lance McCullers. Framber Valdez has come basically out of nowhere. Because every time you, uh, Sean and I we used to talk about Framber Valdez all the time, and we look at his uh, StatCast page, and I always ask him, how the hell is he successful? Well, after a full 2021 season, I think we need to stop asking those questions and just accept the fact that Framber Valdez is a very reliable pitcher. Yes, he is. Uh, Luis Garcia has has thrown 167 strikeouts and only 155 innings. So there's a lot to like. And then the bullpen, we all know that the Astros can develop a bull, a, bull, a really good bullpen like nobody's business. Uh, anything you, else you got to add over there? The one thing that's really interesting to me right now that I'm looking at on the roster resources, Zach Greinke isn't in the rotation. He's listed as the long relief pitcher. Yep. I, I was pretty – I mean, he's basically – listen, man, this – Astros and White Sox, they pretty much mirror each other. Zach Greinke's pretty much the right-handed version of Dallas Keuchel. Right. Uh, they got, uh, it's almost the same setup. Ryan Presley is the undoubted um, 
closer for this team, just like Liam Hendricks. Kendall Graveman, late in, late uh, season acquisition from the Mariners, just like Craig Kimbrell was a late uh, late uh, season acquisition from the Cubs. Uh, Kendall Graveman has proven to be a really good bullpen arm after years uh, of trying to be a starting pitcher with the Oakland Athletics. Uh, Ryan, Ryan Stanek, Jimmy Garcia, all of these guys uh, uh, used to uh, throw gas for their former teams. So there's a lot to like. And then Christian Javier, that's their, basically the Michael Kopech, 24-year-old who uh, is a converted starting pitcher. Now he's uh, coming out of the bullpen. I mean, this team is loaded. It but is. as you can tell, this team is pretty evenly matched. So the one difference I have to go with is the experience factor here. Yes, exactly. So, you know, the, the only people on the White Sox, with, like I said, with playoff, besides if you want to count Larusa, the only other people with <laughs> – I mean, you have – you know, you have the young core plus Jose Abreu and Yasmani Grandal with playoff experience, but these guys have got way more playoff experience and not only playoff experience, but meaningful grinding out battling playoff experience. So, you know, whereas most of this, most of the White Sox's playoff experience has been one season and or one series and then they're done, you know? So I, I, it was no question for me. I didn't have to go look at stats or any of that. I went with the Astros pretty quickly over the, over the White Sox. And I'm going with my gut feeling here. And the, the White Sox do appear to have, statistically speaking, do appear to have the better uh, pitching. But we talked about it offline there, uh, Austin. And it seems like they took it. They were a product of, of their very light schedule yeah. in the AL Central. The one thing that you have to be mindful is that the White Sox have a very bad defensive run saved uh statistic and if when you look at that team and it makes sense i mean jose abreu he's not gonna be winning any gold gloves at first base anytime soon tim anderson has always been a guy who with shaky defense at shortstop uh eloy jimenez need i say more so <laughs> uh yeah so there's uh that 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 is going to definitely play a role as well and uh, we need to quickly move on we've been yeah we, we took a lot of time on this American League. Uh, let's quickly move to the National League. We yeah. got the Dodgers. Actually, you got – we both got the Dodgers facing the, the, the Giants. Um, did you, you – you have the Giants advancing. I have the Dodgers advancing. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the Giants for a little bit, if you don't mind. Um, where do you want to start with them? So, with the Giants, this series was really, really interesting for me to to look at. So, when I was looking at this matchup, it was really hard. At first, I did the same approach as the Yankees and Red Sox, except I looked at their their performance against each other as a whole. And even then, it was very even. The Giants are had 10 wins compared to 9 wins for the Dodgers. The Dodgers scored two more runs in the season series than the Giants. It was 80 to 78 or something like that. And then, you know, you look at the, you know, you look at the pitching staffs, you look at the offense and really on paper, when you look at the pitching staff and you look at the offensive lineup of the Dodgers and Giants and you compare them together, I mean, really, it should be no question that the Dodgers are going to beat the Giants, but the Giants have been really exceeding expectations and not, you know, played to the script that they were supposed to be playing all season long. And let's not forget that they've held off the Dodgers for this long. I mean, how long did they keep them at two, three games back in the NL West? 
And yep. how many times did they go up mm -hmm. against the Dodgers, um, you know, in, in, in important series is, and you know, that the, everybody, you know, a lot of people were like, well, this is where the Dodgers pass the giants now and the giants end up holding them off. So, I mean, there's something to be said about that. You know, all, a lot of those series felt like playoff series when it came to the, when it came to the end, because we're talking about winning the difference between winning a division and winning a wild card game. On top of that, you also have the Dodgers probably throwing Max Scherzer in the wild card game. And then, so now you have, obviously they have a deep, a deeper um, starting pitching staff than probably the Giants do, but you're minus Clayton Kershaw. Yep. Right? You're minus Clayton Kershaw, so you have probably... I don't know. The, the, depending on you ask, Austin, depending on you ask, that might be a godsend for the Dodgers, right? Because yeah. Kershaw is always... <laughs> choking right he was Everybody he was always me. choking but then last season he didn't so i mean yeah. who knows funny how that works yeah and then so now you have tony gosselin uh julio Urias, and walker bueller so you're probably throwing walker bueller game one and then you're probably throwing a Reyes game two and then you're probably going back to scherzer for game three right so um i don't know i think mm -hmm. with the narrative that this season is gone and I think I'm caught up in the narrative and just based on the fact that the Giants have been able to yeah. hold off the Dodgers' Dodgers. squad, no matter what they were throwing at them, they still ended up with more wins. They ended up with the same amount of runs. They ended up with a better run record than the Dodgers, and they pretty much played the same opponents as the Dodgers did. I'm going to go with the Giants edging them out. Now, it's going to be a highly contested series, and I'm not going to be – I'm not going to be shocked that if the Dodgers beat the Giants, but I think with my gut says that the Giants are going to continue to flip the script on everybody and the Giants are going to beat the Dodgers and go to the World Series. Yeah, I think this is where, uh, where everything goes back to normal. The clock will strike 12. And I'm a, I was a big proponent of the Giants. I, I didn't think they were going to be this good. I thought maybe 83, 85 wins was a possibility. I think Pakoda uh, I had like them the, at like the way, 79. Were... Yeah, well, Pakoda, you know, that's a different discussion for a different time. Yeah. But I, I, th I honestly thought they could win anywhere between 83, 85 wins, even in that tough division. Uh, but they would be like distant third to the Padres and the Dodgers. I'd never – because I do like what they've done here. I just didn't think it was going to be good enough to catch those other guys. And pff, wildest – not in my wildest imagination that I ever think that the Giants would be this good. But I think it's uh, it's getting to that time. I mean, you were complaining about the White Sox having two platoon systems uh, going. Uh, according to roster resource, the Giants have four going at, at one time. And that's uh, probably, you know, Tampa Bay Rays would be proud of this lineup, you know, with all the platooning <laughs> that's going on here. But but the other thing that, that they have is a lot of grit, a lot of experience. We talk about the lack of experience factor with the White Sox. Um, but, you know, me personally, I think it's also a lack of death with the White Sox as well. And that's going to be their death knell, which right. I predicted back in January, February, that that was going to be their downfall. But no one listens to Felipe because I'm just a hater, right? But hey, the, I the, the to Felipe and you know, I said the same damn thing. Right. So. Damn right. Yeah, you do. <laughs> but uh, but the, the, the Giants not only uh, have that uh, kind of like that uh, sabermetrics friendly lineup with the platoons and putting people at the right situations to succeed. But they have some mainstays, some real gutsy, battle-tested, experienced guys. Buster Posey, Brandon Crawford, Chris Bryant, Evan Longoria. Uh, I mean, there's a lot to like here. But 
in terms of the lineup, I just prefer the Dodgers uh, hitting lineup a little bit better. But I am kind of wary as a Dodgers uh, picker here that the Giants might be able to hit with a little, just a little bit more contact. And that's probably going to drive the Dodgers pitching staff crazy. Uh, but then you look at their rotation. I think this is where the Dodgers are just class uh, oh. a class above. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's no question that the Dodgers have a better pit, uh, starting pitching staff than the than the Giants do. And then finally, the bullpen. I think the Giants bullpen is a little bit more vulnerable, so that's a cause for concern. And you mentioned the injuries uh, with Max Muncie. Well. Giants also lost their first baseman in Brandon Belt to, to a fractured thumb. True. I don't know if that's a season-ending thing or not, or if he might be coming back soon. I'm not quite 100% sure on that, but, I mean, that, that's a big loss for them because Brandon Belt is a difference maker on that team. And another battle-tested experience guy, right? So, But all things even, I just think that the Dodgers are built for October, whereas the Giants were uh, built for a surprisingly uh, out-of-nowhere season catching people by surprise. And I think they're going to have a rude awakening. If I, listen, I wouldn't be surprised if it goes five games. Either way, yeah, well, either way, Dodgers should advance, in my opinion. But that's that, that series. Let's move on to the next series, which what, what would be, what, Braves and Brewers? Uh, I think we both have the Brewers here. Yeah. I, personally, I think the Brewers, um, I think the Brewers pitching staff is really the difference maker here. Um, the Brewers is pitching staff. I mean, I talked about it in the last episode of the podcast where you really could make a case for Corbin Burns. You can make a, probably a case for Brandon Woodruff. You can make a small case for Freddie Peralta doing this, having a Cy Young, really any starting pitcher that the, that the Brewers threw out there was lights out this season. And, you know, you know, you had the Braves, the Braves did well and they stayed the course and they, you know, credit to them. They retooled their outfield after losing Ozuna and losing, um, uh, what's his name, Acuna. And, you know, they retooled their outfield and they, ha- they actually had a pretty decent outfield with Duvall and Rosario. And, yeah. But I really think the difference between the Brewers and the, uh, and the Braves are going to be the pitching staffs. I think the Brewers is going to stay more staunch as a pitching staff and the Braves will probably fall apart a little bit and that'll be the difference maker. And the, I think the Brewers will go ahead and win the, uh, win that series over the Braves. Yeah, I, I see it too. Um, it's just, there's just too much uh, makeshift, makeshift uh, adaptation going on with the Braves. You mentioned all those players that they had to replace because of injuries. I mean, Jorge Soler is another guy who's uh, come in uh, and uh, kept them afloat, but it's still Jorge Soler. Right. He's, you know, if one trip to Milwaukee and if they decide to open up the roof, uh, is he going to be mentally tough? I mean, that's one of the long lasting um, images as Cub fans we have of Jorge Soler was him being dressed up like he's in Alaska in the playoffs in Chicago and they said that he's grown out of that, that he's grown stronger. But I don't know, man. When it get when the weather gets cold, will where is Jorge Soler gonna be? Is he gonna be dressed up like he's in Nome, Alaska, Arctic weather, uh, uh, combating Arctic weather, I should say, 
Or is he going to put on his big boy pants and deliver for this team that desperately needs his bat? So we'll see. It's a really good lineup. It's just that I think it's just too much to overcome. Now, granted, the Brewers, uh, that's going to be their their, uh, difference maker is. Their offense is not great. That's what I was going to go with. Can their offense show up? Can their offense produce? Can Christian Yelich? Well, the real Christian Yelich, please stand up. Last time I talked to you about Christian Yelich, Austin, I was like poo-pooing you. How dare you, sir? How dare you put Christian Yelich as a guy who is a big disappointment in the 2021 season? You just wait, I told you. You just wait for that second half. Well, it never came. He got hurt. Nobody ever listens to Austin. Austin is just a hater on Christian Yelich. Austin's a hater. No, by this time, uh, I'll give you kudos for picking this correctly. He did not show up. Is October going to be Christian Yelich time for the Brewers' sake? I hope it is. We can, we can, I mean, we, the, they can only hope. I mean, they have Adamus, who's had a pretty decent season. They've had Colton Wong, who, you know, he had a decent season 272 average, 335 OBP up the middle. Um, you know, you had uh, Omar Narvaez, pretty decent season for a catcher. You have Escobar, who's an all star, but. Mm, yeah. You know, <laughs> it was whatever for yeah. a third baseman. He's not the best third baseman in the world. I mean, and then you have the bench of Daniel Vogelbach and Jackie Bradley Jr. And, you know, people like that. I, I mean, it's that's, not, not, that's not bad. I mean, it's, it's not bad, but it's not scary. It's you not scary. I mean? Right? I mean, I don't know, man. Vogelbach in the eighth inning with the bases loaded and you need that four-run home run or grand slam or whatever. That's a scary proposition. That's I think I'm more scared of Daniel Vogelbach walking down an alley than standing in the batter's box. I'm more scared <laughs> of Daniel Vogelbach walking into a McDonald's. <laughs> uh, Luis Urias, uh, who's uh, kind of come on strong. I mean, he had a pretty quietly pretty good season with a 345 on base percentage and a 445 slugging percentage and 23 home runs. So, uh, it's not a lost cause. Jace Peterson also there. Jace Peterson, his uh, his claim of fame is that he's a very patient, uh, high-contact hitter. Jackie yeah. Bradley's a really good defensive uh, center fielder. So, if anything, uh, who's their center? Oh, Lorenzo Cain can move to the corner, uh, to the corners uh, in late-inning situations. So, Jackie Bradley can come in and just suck up everything that goes hit his way. Yeah. Uh, so, there was a, a formula to this Brewers team. The pitching and defense was going to get it done. But then they lose Devin, Devin Williams. And let's take a look at that bullpen really quick. I mean, you still got Josh Hader. Did, can we – they lose they, – they don't just lose Devin Williams. Devin Williams took himself out of the playoffs here. For those of you that don't know, he celebrated. He was celebrating, got drunk, and punched a wall. Oh, and now man. he's out. Now he's That's done. embarrassing. Like, how embarrassing is that? Like, come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're about to make a playoff run. People are – you know, there are some people picking you to get into the, get into the World Series, and you decide to fight a wall. Like come yeah, on, that's a, yeah, that's that's a shame because Devin Williams could be quickly become a household name after these playoffs are done. Oh, for sure. And uh, and he was also going to line himself up for a nice, a pretty decent payday because there's always the rumors that Josh Hader is going to be traded away. So and then Devin Williams would step in to be the closer. Now that if you're the Brewers, you you you, you have to wait. You have to that those plans have to be on hold now. Because we don't know how Devin Williams is going to uh, bounce back from a fractured hand. Right. Um, so that, that sucks for him. But, you know, they still got Brack Boxberger, who has found a fountain of youth. Again, the Brewers, it's the Brewers, the Rays, the Dodgers, the Guardians, and the Astros. That's like the creme, of the, the creme de la creme. 
uh, of uh, pitching development. And right. the Brewers, they can bring anybody they want, and they turn them into really good uh, bullpen arms. Brent, Brent Sutter, or Suter, I can't tell. Aaron Ashby, who we talked about on the Total Basis podcast recently. Hunter Strickland, former Giant. So a lot of uh, big arms on this team. So, But they just they look a little bit... Um, What's that word I'm looking? A little bit uh, not as formidable without Devin Williams out there. And then you look at the rotation. You mentioned uh, Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta, Brandon Woodruff. I think that's uh, Adrian Hauser who's come on strong lately. Uh, that might be a little bit too much, even for a really good Braves lineup. Because when you compare it to what the Braves have to offer in terms of the rotation, Charlie Morton, who's going to be – looks like he's going to be pitching game one, uh, according to MLB.com. Uh, Max Fried, who – you know, we don't know what to expect from him ever. Uh, yeah, he's very inconsistent. And then you got Inoa, who... Yeah, I like him, but he, do I like him now? I don't no. like him now, and I don't particularly like Ian Anderson now either. Um, and when I say... I'm sorry, we should specify Austin before we say... Uh, before people assume. When, I, when we say now, we meant October right now baseball. October 2021 yes. baseball in the playoffs. That's what we meant. Now, Inoa um, maybe later... I mean, the, the, the dude's 23 years old. So is Ian Anderson, right? So Enoa and Anderson could be very, very good pitchers for this Braves rotation later, you know, a couple of years down the road. And when they make the playoffs again, we could be talking, we could be talking about them in a completely different light. But for right now, I don't trust Enoa or Anderson to take the ball in a game two, game three situation where we, where you got to win. And then you go look at their bullpen, and you got Drew Smiley, who now has to pitch in long relief, which is a pretty good spot for him. I mean, he, he showed that he still has a little bit of juice left in him. Uh, but then Will Smith uh, with a 344 ERA and a guy that, I don't know, I feel like people were always bad, bad talking about Will Smith, the, uh, the Braves bullpen guy. I don't even know what kind of season he had. I just know that uh, people were kind of uh, angry at him all the time. Uh, Luke Jackson and Tyler Matzek, they're usually pretty good. The numbers show that there should be really good relief pitchers. But, of course, when Felipe picks them up in the most important part of the fantasy baseball season, they're nowhere to be found, and they <laughs> shit the bed. So somebody's a little from the Pirates. Somebody's a little bitter that he lost his championship battle with Sean. Well, not just that, but it's awesome to tell you, man. There came a point in the season where no matter what reliever I picked up, they they wet the bed when I – insert them into my active lineup i, I couldn't do problem. anything right i had that problem with my starting pitching there was a period of like two or three weeks where all of my starting pitchers just were not doing well whether their <laughs> names were max scherzer or you know some some schmuck that i picked up because they were facing the nationals like they they all just like got blown up and i'm like what what am i gonna do to, to win this so you know <laughs> We all had, I think we all had that at some point this fantasy season. Well, to finish up the Braves, uh, basically their bullpen, I don't like them as much as uh, these other teams that are out there. So that's why we like the Brewers over the Braves, despite the fact that I will commend the Braves for having, for gutting it out uh, this year yeah. and, uh, you know, making lemons, uh, making lemonade out of lemons, I guess. Sure. Uh, really quick, what the hell? Why is everybody talking bad about? Will Smith. Let me double check some things. So he got uh, 37 saves, six blown saves. Okay, maybe that'll do it. What's his whip? Is is it the whip? No, 113. So I don't know why people are. Uh, yeah. Is it the home run balls? Eight. Oh, there. 
home run balls, 1.46 home runs per nine innings, maybe. I don't know. Uh, career high walk per nine. Uh, not a career high, but it, that's uh, that's the highest it's been since 2016, the yeah. 3.71, 3.71 walk per nine innings. So uh, anyway, that's enough out of Will Smith. Let's, we've gotten jiggy enough as it is. Let's quickly move to the uh, league championship series there. Um, so you like the Giants advancing and the Rays. I like the Dodgers and Astros, which means that we're going to get um, two different. Wait, did we talk? Yeah, we talked about two different uh, series, World Series champions out of the. Well, not just that, but my thing was my storyline here because you know, as aside from being a statistic guy, right? I'm I'm, I'm, I'm the numbers guy. I'm the man with no feelings, with no storylines, with nothing <laughs> interesting to share. Right? That's me. But what I got here going is I've accidentally created the 2017 rematch that we all been wanting since 2017. Yes, the you Dodgers. did. I didn't even I didn't even notice that you did. And the Astros in the World Series, uh, payback is a bitch. Is is going to be the tagline? You know, you know how they do the big boxing matches. And this time, it's for real or or some stupid. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's who I got. You got the Rays and Giants, which. Uh, uh, that, that you got you know you know two uh, two teams on opposite sides of the country uh similarly built uh teams evan longoria facing his old team uh so a lot of good storylines to be had here uh even with that you got the two best teams the two number one seeds as well i did so. i did i think i think the rays are just i think the rays are too strong i think the rays are too strong and i wouldn't you know, like I said, I wouldn't be upset if the Giants or if the Dodgers beat the Giants, um, you know, and I wouldn't be surprised either if it was Rays Dodgers. Um, I'm not so sure the Astros are really going to best the Rays this time. Um, I really mm-hmm. think the Rays are going to make it, and I really think it's the Rays' year. Um, you know, I think they're hungry after this last season, and uh, I think I think they're really – poised to do really well this year they have they're really clicking with the um if you want to call it a starting rotation and then they have veterans they have i mean that you also have the legendary randy Arena who can hit homers during the postseason so yeah. i mean who knows maybe he'll have another record-breaking uh record-breaking uh series out there but i don't know i think the rays i think it's just too much to bet against the Rays. The Rays, I think, are just too good. So we both have the Rays and Astros. I went with the Astros because I feel like these two teams stack up well with each other. The one concern I have as a guy who's picking the Astros is that that Rays bullpen is deadly, right? Yes, it is. But ultimately, I mean, I'm going to give the edge to really good starting pitching. And that that edge goes to the Astros for all the reasons that we talked about already. I just don't believe in the race. That's the reason I didn't pick the race to make the playoffs. Oh, what do you know? You're not even believing in the race. And that sucks. I, I love Ray. I love watching Rays baseball. I love what they do down there. Um, and that's a different topic of discussion to be had. Is what, the, is what the Rays do ethical? Is it good for the game? Is it good for marketing? I would say we should just put a pin on that one and discuss. Yeah, that, that that I think that's a whole hour, hour and a half show in itself. But as far as the Astros goes, I mean, we mentioned the experience factor. We mentioned uh, also the Astros. I mean, that's a team that is has really uh, a hell of a a hell of an approach. Whether they're cheating or not, that's a, another discussion to be had yeah that'll be a that'll be a discussion if they make it far and if they win the world series that'll be a whole nother 
debacle. But if any team is going to match up against those flamethrowers out of the Rays bullpen, it's going to be those Astros hitters, the Jose Altuves, Bregman, uh, Carlos Correa, Yuli Gurriel, um, you know, all those guys. Uh, Michael Brantley alone it should be enough to give those pitchers some fits. And I think that's that's I could envision because like what, what we talked about during uh, before the show started, Austin. In today's modern Major League Baseball, I just don't see a rematch uh, a rematch World Series happening anytime soon. Rays and Dodgers could be that rematch. Uh, it's a possibility, and like we talked about uh, before the the show started. Who knows? Maybe the twenty twenty one season is just an extension of the twenty twenty season, right? Because of COVID. Maybe it is meant to be that it should be the Rays and Dodgers. But I just, just knowing how baseball history works, I don't see it. There, it there's, no, there's no back-to-back winners. There's no uh, consecutive dynasties happening. There's no uh, back-to-back rematches like, the, like, like we've uh, been accustomed to seeing in baseball history. And I don't think this is the year that it's going to happen. We will get a rematch, but it's not going to be the 2020 rematch. It's going to be the 2017 rematch. Uh, ultimately, the Dodgers and Brewers. Uh, Brewers, great story. Starting pitching, toe-to-toe. They can go with each other, but I think the Brewers are, are – I think the Dodgers uh, hitting and their ability to – well, I guess the Brewers uh, have that in them as well, the ability to just kind of mismatch, uh, mish and match their lineup all across the field. But the Do- nobody does it better than the Dodgers uh, in the National League, I don't think, in terms right. of uh, that flexibility. Uh, the starting rotation, they match up pretty well. The bullpens match up pretty well. But with Devin Williams not being there, I have to give that slight edge to the Dodgers at this point. Plus, the reason I'm picking the Dodgers is because they were my World Series champion back in March. So I'm going <laughs> to stick with the Dodgers until the day I die uh, this season. Well, there you go. So, And I think I'm going re- to try and redeem myself because last year I had picked the A's or A's, I had picked the Rays to win the World Series last year before the season started. So before the 2020 season started, I went to Vegas and put down a bet that the Rays were going to win the World Series, and I almost won. And so now I really just, I really want to be vindicated. And What were the odds? Uh, The odds at the time were 20 to 1. Ooh, that would have been some nice change for you. Yes, it would have. Can you quickly tell me what, how do you see the Brewers Giants going? Because uh, that's your uh, National League Championship Series, Brewers Giants. So the way I see the Brewers Giants going is I see the I see the offense of the Giants really figure uh, hitting uh, making contact when it yeah. comes to the um, the pitching staff for the Brewers. Um, and I don't think the offense for the Brewers would really match up with the offense of the Giants. Um, and, you know, you'll probably see a good game from Kevin Gossman and Logan Webb and um, Anthony DiSclefani, and that that Giants offensive lineup is just going to out-contact the, the, offense, the offensive lineup for the Brewers, and I think that's how they edge out the Brewers and get get to the Rays. But, you know, after that battle with the Brewers, I don't think the offense is going to be much for the Rays in terms of their pitching. I think after the battle that they have with the Brewers, they're going to they're going to tire out and they're going to um they're going to run into the buzzsaw that is the Rays, which is why the Ra- it gives the Rays the opportunity to win the World Series. You know what I forgot to do? We didn't do how many games would these teams win, which oh well, maybe yeah. next time. Maybe. Uh, 
so you got Rays and Giants, uh, and you obviously have the Rays winning. Um, I guess give me the how many games? Maybe six games. I would say, yeah, I could see six games. I don't see it going a full seven, but five or six, I can see. So what's one or the other, Austin? Five or six? Come on. Well, well, six then. Six. There you go. There you go. Uh, so, so you, you, I mean, you think you believe in the Giants' offense getting to that Rays bullpen is what I'm hearing from you. For for the most part, but you know, after a while, because the Rays are really good at mixing and matching and keeping those guys fresh, and because they're really good at mixing and matching those that bullpen and that starting that starting opening rotation, whatever you want to call it, is is going to be fresh. Whereas you have Kevin Gossman, and you know they have the more traditional starters. It's not going to go as well. Um, for the Giants, and so I think they battle for a little while, and it goes to six games, and then the the Rays win it four two. Yeah, I am. So remember when I said that in today's day of baseball, there's no such thing as repeat champions. Dynasties are uh, not in consecutive formats like yeah. in the past. Um, so normally I would go with that rule, but not not when it's the Dodgers and Astros. I think from a storyline perspective, the Dodgers, this is the year that they get their revenge from the Astros. I see that going to six games just because, you know, the Astros are just going to be a tough team to beat, uh, to beat out. Numerically speaking, the Dodgers are the second best team, according to my rankings. I got the Giants, Dodgers, Rays, and the top three, followed by the White Sox, Yankees, and Blue Jays to round out the top six. Uh, Astros are a top eight team. Uh, and uh, what was I? Where was I going with this? Uh, anyway, the, well, the Brewers are ranked 12th for some reason. Oh, their offense, right? Their offense. So, this is great. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, but I six games for the Dodgers. Your 2021 champion, back-to-back champion, and it's all because there's no way that they're gonna let this second chance at the Astros go by like that. They oh, they gotta take sure. advantage of that. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Uh, so that that's the bracket. We got all the winners in. We'll see who's right. Uh, quickly, let's just say Henry, he, uh, our guy Henry, he picked the Yankees because, you know, Yankee homer. Yeah, I, that's what I, I was like. That is a total homer pick from Henry. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I mean. I don't, I mean, I don't I mean, think the Yankees have a chance against some of these other AL teams, let alone going to the other side and facing either the Giants or the Dodgers. I mean, he picked the – he picked the uh, – Shoot, he picked the Yankees and Braves in the World Series, and you tell me that that's that's not a nostalgia factor going on. That is that is really a nostalgia. That's a really that's a long shot. Now watch, Henry is actually really good at predictions, and he's really good at figuring out what's going to happen. So watch him be the one that's right. Uh, Sean picked the Brewers and Rays in the in the World Series, and he's going to go with the Brewers. He did admit that he wanted to go really quirky, so that I like I like that pick, especially from coming from him. Yeah. Um, and he, he's a big proponent of the Brewers anyway, so it makes sense. Melvin, our guy Melvin, our baseball cosmos from all over the world. I always butchered the name of that Facebook I page, think it's but. baseball cosmos, baseball from everywhere for – I don't remember what for it is. Anywhere, a, for anywhere, For anywhere, something like that. It's a really long – I just I just say baseball cosmos because I can't remember the whole, the whole page. Uh, well, he – it's actually you, him, and our guy Vince who picked the Giants and the Rays. And he has the Giants winning, so he's the lone wolf on this one. You guys – both of you and Vince went with the Rays. Melvin picked the Giants. Um, that's, a, that's a pretty – that's a pretty damn bold pick right there. 
Uh, just trying to see any upsets. Okay, so Sean and you have the Red Sox winning the wild card. Uh, everything else looks pretty copacetic. Oh, oh, Henry has a Braves beating the uh, the Brewers. Yeah, I think other than that, I think all of ours kind of like lines up somewhat. And, yeah. you know, you yeah. have teams, you look at the matchups and you go, okay, I can see that. There's a path to that. That makes sense. Actually, every one of us, except for Henry, picked Rays, Astros, Brewers, and Giants. Uh, to come out of that division. Uh, what? No, not me. I picked the Dodgers because I'm smart. <laughs> you know what's funny, though, is like I'm looking at your, at your power rankings right now, and according to your power rankings, your power rankings would have, um, would have a Dodgers-Rays series. No, it, it would be Giants and Rays. Or Giants, Giants and, and Rays, you're right, because, the, yeah. So you, your power rankings would have the same – uh, the same prediction as mine. Ah, uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and with the giant, but the Giants would win the World Series because they're the number one team according to these rankings. So Melvin would be correct. The one thing we got to look out for is that the Dodgers do have a t- plus two hundred sixty nine run differential, which is the best in all of baseball. Yeah. So will that come to fruition come playoff time? We shall see. Other things on the rankings to take a look at: uh, the White Sox and Yankees are probably the worst. Uh, top five team in terms of defense. So I got White Sox and Yankees in the top five according to my uh, accumulated rankings here uh, based on advanced analytics and statistics. So take it for what it's worth. But White Sox and Yankees are the the worst fielding team on the top five list. And you know what? I think with these, I think with these rankings, I think it's a tale of two, it's two different tales. The White Sox are this high simply because they have a weak division. Right, yeah, they, they, I think so too. They're playing a weak division, so even though they have re- a really, they have really bad fielding, their offense and pitching and everything makes up for it because half of their games they were playing against the Indians, who got no hit three times, the Royals, who were nowhere to be found, the Tigers, who were I, I, I was actually pretty optimistic about the Tigers this season. They're looking pretty good, but still, I mean, when you have the AL Central, there. The White Sox were playing a very weak division. On the other hand, I think the Yankees had to play up to their to their tough division, um, you know, with the the Red Sox and the Blue Jays and the, you know, um, who's that other team out there? They were trying to fight off um, Red Sox and Rays. I mean, and it's Rays. A, yeah, it's they were battling division. the Rays. So, I mean, when you look at your rankings, you have Rays first and then Yankees second, which is the way they fell in the standings, right? And then, and then you have the Red Sox. And, um, well, the Red Sox and Jays are flipped. But, I mean, I think that they're so high because they had to play up to their division and they had to, they had to perform well for their division. So that's why they're not necessarily playing weaker teams, but they were playing well because they had to. Yeah, uh, they they played up to their competition, whereas the White Sox, I know a 90-win team, but I still say that they were just playing down to their competition based yeah. on their acquisitions and the and all that and, uh, and the roster um, build on that team. Uh, what do you think about the Mets? They're, they were – so end of season last year, they were uh, ranked eighth overall and the best team in the National League East, which is kind of laughable because they, they kind of uh, – they only had a 26 and 33 record at the end. Um, but so, but you know, thinking with that mentality, you're thinking, oh, okay, so that must mean that in 2021, 
they're going to with the same core players are coming back. If they're ranked that high, according to these advanced analytics, most of these are, you know, future uh, predictive uh, statistics. That must mean that the Mets are going to really flourish in 2021. And they kind of did. They let the they they let the division for a very long time. And the Braves, I remember when back in uh, either May or July, I was talking to Vincent Henry. We pretty much gave up on the Braves, right? And then the Mets flounder, and then they lost Jacob Degrom, and all those pitchers that were doing very well for them at right. the beginning, uh, they all kind of flounder, and the bullpen started getting hurt, and. Then the injuries started coming in. And then they acquired Javier Baez, which probably did them no wonders whatsoever. But the Mets are ranked seventh because they have a really good starting pitching uh, uh, score, probably because of Jacob DeGrom, obviously. Uh, Good relief core, probably because of, you know, all the pre-injuries. And Edwin Diaz is pretty good when he's not blowing saves, right? That's any closer. But anyway, Mets uh, is – did the advanced statistic have it wrong here or – uh, I don't know. What do you think? Of I the think Mets the advanced seven? statistic is right as long as they have all of their players healthy. So if they have Jacob DeGrom, if they have a healthy Jacob DeGrom, they have a healthy Noah Syndergaard, they have a, you know, a Taiwan Walker that, you know, at least performs halfway decent. Marco Stroman still pe- still pitches very well. It would be nice if he could keep his mouth shut every once in a while, but you know, Marco Stroman still pitches very well. They have a very good starting pitching. And, you know, Jeff McNeil struggled this year. You had Dom Smith, who struggled this year. You had a lot of their offense who struggled this year. Hashtag free DeGrom. Um, but, you know, and giving up no, you know, they had no run support. I and, and you're right, Javier Baez didn't do them any good whatsoever. So, but I think their pitching really does hold up to about the seventh place, you know, seven, eighth, maybe bottom top 10 when they have a healthy pitching staff and a productive lineup. Yeah. And they have a productive lineup. Um, So, you know, predictive, you're right. This is predictive statistics. So, you know, when you're looking at these statistics, it's predicting that Jacob deGrom is going to be there and their lineup is going to be as productive as they're used to be. Right. So I think, if everything goes right, that's where they go. But as of right now, you know, if you're, if you're telling me, if you're asking me about the Mets right now, no, because this is telling me they're better than the Astros, the Red Sox, the yeah. Braves, the Brewers. The, they're not better than any of those teams, in my opinion. So they fall out of the top 10, in my opinion, with, the, with it now. But with a full-strength lineup, I could see them being a bottom of the top 10. Yeah, because Michael Conforto was also out for a while. And even when he was healthy, he wasn't doing anything. Uh, uh, Brandon Nimmo, one of the more frustrating uh, on-base percentages you're, you're ever going to see. He's, he, has a, he finished with a 401 on on-base percentage, but only hit eight home runs and only got five stolen bases. So what exactly are we doing here, Brandon Nimmo? Uh, and then on the opposite side of the spectrum, Javier Baez hits 31 home runs and steals 18 bases, which, you know, uh, what's the biggest complaint from these old traditional uh, fogies that are out there? All these advanced analytics are ruining everything. Whatever happened to home runs and stolen bases? Well, here's a guy in Javier Baez that got you those counting stats, and people still complain about Javier Baez. So right. you mentioned Jeff McNeil already. Jonathan Villar had to step up. When Jonathan Villar has to step in for your team, you're in deep trouble. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, I like Jonathan Villar coming off the bench. I mean, there was a lot to like about the Mets going into the season. Mostly that Jonathan Villar was not going to start every single day. And then he had to. 
Yeah. So that sucked for them. Uh, and then, you know, but anyway, uh, the other thing I want to notice about the Mets is they have a lot of guys with very high ERAs, a lot of high 350 plus ERAs. So the reason why the uh, Mets are ranked pretty high in terms of their bullpen is because they have a very low field independent pitching. And as you know, FIP is basically what can my pitcher do when all he has to count on are his strikeouts, his walks against, his home runs against, and there's nobody behind him to, to bail him out. And for a lot of these pitchers, it's, it shows that if in a vacuum and if they only have to depend on their strikeouts and don't have to depend so much on their fielders, it's a pretty damn good bullpen. Right. Unfortunately, that's not the results that they got. So, again, we shall see next year, depending on who comes back and who's healthy and whatnot, it just depends how they bounce back next year because on paper and numerically, statistically speaking, this should be a much better team than what they have shown so far in the last two years. It definitely should be. They should have won the division, to be honest. They really should have. They had it. it. They had the division if everything didn't fall apart. Now, they're not, they, they weren't going to win the World Series by any means, but they should have won the division. And these injuries and the fact that they added Javier Baez I, and he was – you know, that cancer of boo or of giving the stupid thumbs down to the fans and stuff like that. <laughs> I really think that really screwed with them for a while because then hey, hold he, on. Why is bias getting picked on? The, the, most of the team bought into that. Well, yeah, most of the team it. bought into that because of stupid Javier Baez. It wasn't if it, if Baez didn't start it, Lindor wouldn't have jumped in, and then so, so uh, where's Pilar the leadership? Jumped in, and it was the leader. Like, oh, where's the leadership? Where's the leadership from the rest of that team? Yeah, that's what I mean. They all followed Javier Baez because he's Javier Baez. Like, there's there's nobody leading that team right now. You need to have a veteran player like Lindor who should have known better to to be like, yo, come on now. Like, let's. So, so all I'm hearing from you, Austin, is that that is they lacked intangibles, and that was also part of their problem this year. Okay. Yeah. Not enough TWTW, as Hawk Harrelson would say, right? So. Yeah. <laughs> what about the Marlins? They were the 13th best-ranked team, and although offensively they were putrid, but they're starting pitching, even though they don't have a really good score on my list here. But on paper, that starting rotation is such a young core, and it just looks like they're only going to get better. Although we, are, we should be careful about linear progression. It's never linear in terms of the player development. But if anybody has a really decent uh, starting pitching starting pitching core, it'd be the Miami Marlins. Would you agree with that statement? I, I would agree as of right now that the they have a very promising-looking starting pitching lineup with Sandy Alcantara and Trevor Rogers, And, um, you know, if Sixto Sanchez ever heals back up yep. and, you know, the acquisition of Jesus Lazardo from the A's, they yep. have a very good – um, starting pitching lineup. Now, pitching, starting pitching is very volatile. Yep. Right? So, you know, these young pitchers, they look good now, but that doesn't mean two years down the road they're going to be the aces and, you know, productive pitchers that we think they're going to be. We, two years down the road, we can go, oh, well, what happened to Sandy Alcantara? Sandy Alcantara had a really good season two years ago, and now he's, you know, now he's not doing very well. He's pitching a 4.30 ERA and in Marlins Park, right? Yep. So, yep. and who knows if the Jesus Lazardo experiment is going to work well? It didn't work well for the it didn't work well for the A's. So, <laughs> you know, there's a chance that it doesn't work well for the for the um, 
for the Marlins. And then you have the Sixto Sanchez injury problem. Is he going to stay healthy to prove whether he's a good pitcher or not? Right. We've only seen a small sample size of Sixto Sanchez. So as, as promising as that looks, they could fall apart very, very easily. Just double checking to see how uh, Jesus Lozardo did. I mean, he pitched uh, almost the same amount of games that he pitched in Oakland. Uh, 12 games versus 13 games in Oakland, but he all, all 12 games in Miami were as starting as a starting pitcher. The walks were a major problem. The home runs went down though, in terms of the home runs per nine innings. That's probably because um, he plays at Marlins park. Well, well I mean, Oakland, I, he played Oakland. in Oakland. So I guess that doesn't matter. FIP went down a run. So that's good. Unfortunately, it was still over five. Yeah. So, a work, a major work in progress. But I mean, the last game he pitched uh, to finish off the season, I, I thought he, I thought he pitched like I thought he threw like eleven strikeouts or something in the, in his last game of the season. So he has uh, some he has, promise. He has bits of promise. He has yeah. he has bits of the pitcher that, excuse me, that everybody thinks he's going to be. But then in between, he pitches a lot of walks. He pitches a lot of homers. He pitches, you know, he gives up a lot of runs. So, you know, he needs to be more consistent in order to be considered as part of that promising-looking Marlins rotation. He was getting people to chase more, especially outside the strike zone. Uh, he posted a 33.4 outside the strike zone swing percentage, which is a career high for him if, if, the, if his stint with the Miami Marlins was an individual season. Uh, actually, overall, it was a career high for him as well. But in Oakland, it was only at 26.8%. So nobody was being fooled by his uh, sliders and his uh, uh, fastballs away, you know. Uh, and the contact rate is still a problem for him a little bit. Um, yeah, it's still a problem. But the fact that people are chasing more uh, in terms of swinging outside that strike zone, that's a step in the right direction. A baby step, but a, a positive step nonetheless. Right. right. So it's something that they can work. It. It's something that they can work on in the offseason and into spring training. So of the top 15 teams ranked on my rankings, the Marlins have the worst record at 67 and 95. So final prediction from you. Is the arrow up on the Marlins or do they still have a lot of work to get done here? Um that one, that's tough because they play yeah. in the NL East, which you have the Braves, which when they're full strength, they're pretty good. You have the Mets, who we just said, if they're full strength, they're going to be pretty good. Um, and then who else do you have in there? You have the Phillies, and then you have the Nationals. So I would think – I think right now they're a, be they're a better team than the Nationals. The Phillies are always a wild card. Sometimes they're really good. Sometimes they're really bad. Right. And then, but the Mets are supposed to be really good. I think in terms of individual team performance, I think that it's, I think the arrow is up. I think they're going to be a very tough team to beat. However, the problem is you also have the Mets who are looking promising. You have the Braves who are still relevant. And then you have the Phillies who can still play spoiler. So that could turn yep. into a very, very tough division. So it's not going to look like in terms of record that they're going anywhere when actually they might be going up. What they need to do is focus on offense. If they have that productive, if they have that, you know, promising pitching staff they need to have some run support to back it up so that you know these young pitchers don't have to feel like they have to be perfect at every single pitch in every single outing 
right? If they get this, if they get some of these, since it's a big park, I'm saying go out there and get some of these guys that are going to slap a double into the gap, right? And, you know, get on base rather than people that are going to hit bombs. You don't need that in that cavernous Marlins park. You need people that are going to hit into the gap. And when you score more runs, the pitchers are going to let loose a little bit and probably have a better pitching season. So it's going to allow those young pitchers to grow into the pitchers that they're supposed to, that they're supposed to be, or that we're all predicting they're going to do. So I think the arrow is up, but the problem with them is they're going to, they're in the NL East, which is also looking like it could be a tough division in the future. Yeah. And it just depends what the Mets do and what the Braves do. Cause uh, I think for, I think, I feel like a lot of these Mets players, they're going to be due up for a major contract soon. And, and it's, they're going to have to make some tough decisions. Yeah. Uh, the Braves are in a little bit of a better situation. So they might, this is, might be their division for them to lose. The Phillies are in trouble, man. Cause they, all those veteran players that they've been, they were trying to build around with Bryce Harper. They're going to be gone soon, either yeah. retire or their contract's going to run out or the teams are going to buy them out. And then it's going to be Bryce Harper by himself. And he has that no trade clause and still like maybe 10 more years on that contract. It seems yeah. like, and, so, and I, that's why I said they're a wild card. Cause they could, they could buy up some of these younger guys and, you know, build it again around Bryce Harper and be good. Or they just, could try and find replacement level players to, to just kind of fill out the field and not be very good. In that case, been, you're looking yeah. at the Marlins being relevant in the playoff race pretty soon. So, and yeah, the only problem I have with the Phillies in terms of what prospects do they have that is that are, that's coming on the horizon? I don't. I don't see anybody. Really any? Yeah. They don't. So they're in. Tr- that's why I mean they're in trouble. There is no young player that's coming. Well, at maybe Alec Bohm, and he's not ready. He no. struggled mightily this year. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, and that's their one piece. That was their one piece was Alec Bohm, and he's not living up to expectations. And everybody else is just a veteran. It's just a, 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 a yeah. Dude, look at this lineup. Odubel Herrera is the youngest guy uh, uh, outside of Bryce Harper, according to roster resource. Yeah, all the rest and of them are over 30. And, and Herrera is nearing 30 himself. And on the bench, it's a bunch of 25-year-old guys and up. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you know, if you know what my, my stance on prospects are, but it, you're not a prospect anymore. If you're over 25 years old, at age 24, if you're still a prospect, you're 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 in deep trouble. Right. Oh, anyway, uh, I see that the baby has come in to tell me that it's time for me to go. Oh well, all right. Well, with that, then, since the baby is telling us it is time to leave, um, thank you for listening to the Round Trippers podcast. And you can find the Round Trippers podcast on Twitter at round, uh, round underscore trippers. And then you can also um, email a question to me if you want to email a question or maybe email a story. And I might tell that story or do that question on the show. You can email the show at roundtripperspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, Felipe, do you want to plug the Total Bases podcast or the Baseball Life group once again? Yeah, uh, Baseball Life is the Facebook group that we are all connected by. So whenever Facebook decides to, to get their stuff together and get it running again, feel free to join us at the Baseball Life Facebook group. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I always forget that I have a Twitter handle uh, at, at pathological underscore hate. That's the letter H, the number eight. Uh, and uh, check us out on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple. We are the Total Basis Podcast. 
We're part of the Life Group Podcast Network with uh, all our other great podcasts. We have a basketball one. We have another baseball podcast. We mentioned Vince and Henry already. Uh, uh, and we have the, uh, the, the football podcast as well with my buddy Matt Bushnell and our friend uh, Randy Hammond. So we're, we, uh, we have a little bit of everything and also the wrestling podcast as well. We have a little bit of everything uh, for uh, the people out there. <laughs> all right well yes it is the life groups are a great group and uh, i appreciate you felipe for coming on i really appreciate it thanks for coming on my man thanks for having me man all right Look forward on, to these playoffs yes me too i can't wait to see which one of us is right on behalf of my good friend felipe <laughs> Melicio, i am austin sparrow and you've been listening to the round trippers podcast and until next time have a good one everybody see ya